Welcome to a new episode of Thoughts of a Techno Wizard. It is Tuesday, June 6th. Yeah, 7.53 a.m. 2023. Yeah, you heard right, 7.53 a.m. So, I usually get up early around this time. My body just wakes me up around 6.30 or 7. I'm just like, okay, I'm up now. No matter what <laughs> what time I went to sleep. Um, luckily, I did go to sleep somewhat early um, today or yesterday. Around midnight. 12.30 or so. Um, which is early for me. <laughs> uh, so I feel pretty good. And I want to do... I want time to do a long episode today. Because for some reason, the last two episodes just haven't worked out. Alright, the first one... There was a lot of emotion that went into that one. And it ended up not... Like, I couldn't find it after I um, finished it. So I took that as a sign not to publish that one. Um, or, you know, I couldn't find it anyway, so I couldn't publish it. And then the second one um, I did, like, last week, I don't know. I just I just wasn't feeling good about it. I feel like I went on, on so many tangents. It, it, I, I didn't even know what I was talking about. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll post it one of these days, but... Uh. So I decided to do a... Probably going to do a two-hour podcast today <laughs> so nice and long um and hopefully i make more sense so, <laughs> so there were a couple things i wanted to talk about um number one is uh some stuff about my job um unfortunately bad news but that also brings me to number two the, the problem with once again, capitalism, <laughs> but from this time from the perspective of, you know, um, what it does to work and labor and stuff like that, right? And what we can be doing with about it. So, which is leads to number three, you know, um, the importance of, of of a new way of looking at business in a better world. In a post-capitalist world, what that looks like. And then number four, um, I don't know, we'll probably get into some AI again. There's been some more news about that. And number five, (laughs) um, some stuff about XR. Because there's been some exciting things about that. uh, With Apple's showcase and all this other stuff. Which which is... I got some things to say about that. So we'll we'll see if we get that far. Hopefully we do. There's plenty of time. (laughs) So, number one, bad news. Just out with it. Company had some layoffs. We lost three people. um, And it was very sudden, very, very uh, un... Like, didn't see this coming. Especially coming off the fact, like, the week before we had our innovation kind of conference. Our first, like, little... It was like our own little innovation thing. uh, Conference type of thing. We... You know, invited our clients and a few prospective clients, and we're just talking about XR and all this other stuff. And it was very successful. Like a lot of people really enjoyed it. Uh, I think I mentioned. Did, I'm not sure if I did. I do an episode after that. I don't remember. <laughs> but um, a lot of people were like, because uh, I, I was doing one of the talks, and a lot of people came up to me afterwards. So, oh man, you did such, such a good job. Your speech was so so good. Um, we learned a lot. And it was like, oh, can you do this for us, for our company? <laughs> so I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's awesome. 
Um, I love to hear that because that means that people really, basically what my talk was about, I think I did mention this in one of my previous podcasts before it, but my talk was about like how to design um, better XR experiences and what makes good XR. And I was just going through how to, you know, um, think about use cases that are really good for XR, um, then how to go about designing them. And I, and I did a workshop with everyone about coming up with ideas not for solving problems, but for finding problems. And that's something I'm so glad I was able to bring from my, from my uh, design mentor, shout out Debbie Levitt, um, who, who's always saying like, you know, instead of going straight to the solutioning, try to come up with solutions for everything, especially coming from people who don't know anything about design. <laughs> um, like, and the important part of design is like research, right? Researching your users and understanding um, exactly what they need and what that looks like and stuff like that. Um, instead of doing all that, do, like, ideation is still cool, but do it for problem finding, right? Which allows people to um, get their minds around what the problem actually is for their users um, and various problems to solve. And then I had them do, like, a research thing or, like, a research prep stage where they came up with some questions that they should ask in their research and all this other stuff. And then, yeah, we did a, a little... Now, what would this solution look like, right? Um, but I had a huge caveat. Like, the only reason we're doing this is because it's, you know, it's a fun little workshop activity. Uh, but in real life, you'd, you'd want to do that research before you get to this um, outlining a, an idea stage. But, yeah, it was, it was pretty successful, I think. But unfortunately, um, the reason why they were layoffs is because my company is small. I mentioned before we had, like, 15 people. Um... I think we're still fairly mighty. Like the type of clients we have is pretty amazing. I've talked about them before. Um, but because many of our clients are like these big, big companies, a lot of those companies are like, they move very slowly, <laughs> right? So when it comes to securing the bag, you know, it takes a while, unfortunately. And, you know, the the we just don't have that that it's just sad you know it's it's really tragic it's really frustrating that such these that these things needs to happen right um yeah it's not much I could say to that there might might some other things involved but I don't know if I can say anything more um but going through that whole process. Um, made me think back to when I was working at the arcade in which I had to do something like that, right? Um, and I was way more privy to all the details for the arcade. So, <laughs> and the arcade is closed now, so I can, I can say as much as I want there. So I'll speak more on that. Um, and then that will lead us to, to number two. So when I was at the arcade, something I saw was that the amount of money that we had coming in was not nearly enough to make you know to have good wages right and this is a this is a great this is a really tricky thing because i 100 percent understand people who like you know if you don't make enough money don't don't go into business or don't hire people at you know um, minimum wages and things like that and they're 100 right <laughs> and yet at the same time you know, because we live in a city capitalist system, the truth is that 
that's completely unsustainable, right? Like, if you want to have a something like an arcade, right? It's this futuristic, you know, type of experience, right? What we were doing there was was a, <laughs> creating a place where people could experience, you know, virtual reality, like this new technology. And I've, it was so fulfilling in that I was able to, you know, show people the future <laughs> in a way, right? Like, give so many people from all walks of life a, a, a not just a brief view, but like of of a embodied experience, right? And I'm not just trying to use buzzwords or anything like, but like, it's so visceral when you see people try virtuality for the first time or even for the 10th time like it's it's amazing every single time um and to see people from like everywhere from 90 year old you know <laughs> 90 year old grandparents to or great grandparents to you know young little five-year-old children even though we didn't really <laughs> you know have them on for longer or didn't really suggest they be on long they be on but you know having all these types of people try try it on the fact that like what 50 or 60 percent of our customers were were women a, a, a demographic who you who is is you know there's there's a stereotype that all oh, women don't like gaming and technology. it's bullshit <laughs> butter bullshit because like yeah most of our uh, not most obviously but a majority um or, or very very strong half you know it was women or femmes or whatever you want or or like everywhere in between right like we had <laughs> um all sorts of demographics come in and it was just amazing to be able to see people you know have access to this sort of technology and yes we were expensive relatively but we were the least expensive way for people to experience vr right it was like what 30 dollars an hour um which is the least expensive like today there is i think sandbox which is like 50 dollars an hour per person right and we just charge a flat 30 dollars an hour it doesn't matter how many people you had in um you could switch them out as much as you want in an hour but other places charge a flat 50 dollars per person right um or more <laughs> right it goes up from there um and many of them had less experiences right which is good and bad don't get me wrong like the, the fact that you can focus um on a certain experience allowed them to to have a, a a more polished you know kind of experience and probably was better on licensing costs and stuff like that well somewhat because a lot of them were like uh the void was licensing for freaking disney licenses so they were they were way too expensive um even though they only had like three or five experiences um another one sandbox that it wasn't open to atlanta at the time when we were but I think they they are now, and but they only have like I don't know how much, but definitely less than a dozen or less than definitely less than a dozen. I think even less than half a dozen experiences. We had over thirty experiences, right? <laughs> like it was an arcade, all right. <laughs> it didn't look too much like it. Well, yeah, like like a traditional one. But when you got into the headset, you could just pick all these games and stuff like that. It was amazing. Um, and yes, don't get me wrong. There's a whole bunch of problems with it. I won't go into all that. Like. <laughs> I might do another episode where I do a whole, you know, retrospective on um, um, the arcade experience. But nonetheless, 
what I saw there is that even though we had, you know, a lot of people come in and it was very successful for, for what we were, it was still not enough. Right? Like we were making what seventy K a month or something like that. <laughs> Which is not it sounds like a lot, but it's really nothing. It's really not. With the fact that like a lot of it had to go to the rent, you know, uh percentage had to go to licensing, um, percentage had to go to bills. And then out of all that that's left, that's what you pay, you know, that, that leftover stuff is, is, is the, the, what you pay your employees, right? So the person that owned the business and started everything up and was still, you know, working there, wasn't, he wasn't, you know, working at the arcade the, the entire time. Um, he only worked there maybe a day, a week or something like that. But he did do a lot of the, um, he was an engineer, <laughs> so he did a lot of the programming side and creating our licensing software and things like that, um, trying to get get more deals and all that stuff, right? I worked mo most of the days on the arcade, right? Like five, six, sometimes even seven days a week. Uh, well, we weren't open seven days a week, but like four or five or sometimes six days a week. Um, and, you know, my hours, I had like most of the hours because uh, I was dedicated to this. Like I wanted to, to do this. I, you know, I had a three-hour commute coming from you know south of Atlanta all the way to the north of Atlanta freaking two buses and a train <laughs> some walking as well um and yeah it was a lot but you know I wanted to do this but I wasn't being paid a lot right it was pay being paid minimum wage um even when I got uh upgraded to or no upgraded goodness when I got promoted to be the manager of the arcade I was still getting paid like what ten dollars an hour um, so it wasn't much, right? It was a lot for me at the time. Not really, not really. Um, but it was better, right? It was like, okay, I'm making a little bit here. Um, but what I saw there was like, this is, this is not really, it's not great, <laughs> right? And yet we still needed to hire more people because I can't do the whole thing, right? We need at least two people every day. Um, especially when it's, when it's, when it's popular and when it's popping, um, you, you can't have one person trying to help, you know, a dozen people more in there. So we had to hire another person, but there was no way we we're going to be able to pay them, you know, um, more than minimum, much more than minimum wage. Right. We tried to. We, the, the base rate was like a dollar or two more than minimum wage. I think like, eight, yeah, about eight, eight, eight fifty or something like that, um, which is the minimum wage in Georgia is like seven twenty five or some bullshit. But we tried to pay them a little bit more, tried to work. And I was honest with people. I was like, hey, I'm be, we can't pay you more than minimum wage, right? This is the amount we're paying. If you still want to work here, cool. If not, I understand, right? I was, every time I go in an interview, I tell people up front, you know, that sort of thing. Because it, it, it really is ridiculous that, you know, if you pay people, you know, their full amount, like the living wage, you wouldn't even be able to be in business, as a small business, right? This is this. Let me make this kind of. This does not apply to big businesses, all right. It only applies to small businesses, right? Um, because many small businesses are not boot are, are are bootstrapped. They are not fund funded, right? We had no, or actually, they did have a little bit of funding when they first started up, right? But it was still it was not enough. It was not like some uh, venture funding type of crap, right? It was just like, oh yeah, here's hundred thousand dollars or something again it sounds like a lot but it's it's, it's really not <laughs> that's like startup costs 
um, or something like this. And most of the cost came from, you know, the owner, like, putting their house on, on, on a loan or something like that, right? Like, it was, it was a very, very bootstrapped. But, yeah, like, we never really laid people off. Um, but people did get fired, unfortunately, right? Um, remember, the first person had, had let go. They were just not doing their job. Like, they, they wanted to... Um, they, they didn't really do anything like <laughs> they were good at first but I don't know they just kind of checked out at some point they were just kind of like watching stuff on their phone where everybody, what, what the other person was working and again like I said you can't really especially on the weekends you can't really do stuff like that um, and that was really unfortunate another person they wanted more hours but we just didn't have more hours to give like they, uh, we, have, we need two people and if we had three people on a day like the, the business wouldn't be able to, to, to fund that anymore um, so they had to leave because, you know, they needed another job. So I was like, okay, yeah, definitely understand, you know. And during the pandemic, um, everybody's hours reduced, obviously. But luckily, we did have the PPP loan and stuff like that. So we got that, that money coming in. Um, but it was like, that's still not, not really much. So other people, you know, had to leave after that. And then immediately after the 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 um lockdowns ended it was still like technically during the pandemic and it still technically is a pandemic <laughs> with long covid and all this other stuff but um yeah even when the lockdowns ended in georgia the business was way slower right obviously virtual arcade people were not gonna be super excited to, to go out like that even though it was still fairly popular um, we just didn't have as many people coming on like the weekdays. Most of them was on the weekends and all this other stuff. And it's, it just wasn't enough, right? So everybody had to get reduced hours at that point. Um, and that was sucky. So like, I understand. I was able to, I was in conversations to, for these sorts of calculations, right? But it sucks. It's, it's terrible. And I definitely, like I said, I understand people who say, you know, if you can't afford to pay people, a, a living wage just don't open business or, or don't hire other people but unfortunately I think that that does a number of problems number one it ignores the fact that many people like myself or other people um, like that worked at the arcade uh, or other small businesses right will still do this you know because they want it to work in a certain field right or because they, they need work any work whatsoever Right, and it's not like if a small business doesn't open up, there, there's going to be other opportunities out there. No, that's not how capitalism works. Like, there's nobody that cares. There's nobody that's going to try to care about other people. Right. So if if these small businesses don't open up because they can't afford to pay a living wage, you're just going to have less opportunities out there. Right. You're just going to have less work. You're just going to have less, you know, chances. <laughs> and that's even worse. For people who, like myself, didn't go to college, don't have opportunities, don't have anything in their vicinity, you know, um, don't want to work at a freaking retail or, or gas station or something like that. Like, the entire reason why I worked at the arcade, that was three hours away, all right, <laughs> was because I did not want to work at some other bullshit job, some dead-end job, all right? 
My parents was telling me, oh, yeah, go. Well, especially my dad specifically, right? Was like, oh, take any job. Any job will be better. But I'm like, no, because you have, unfortunately, under capital, you have to make this calculation. Like, if I work at a retail job, right, or some other job I don't care about, I know myself enough to tell that I'm going to be depressed. I'm going to feel so terrible and dead inside that I'm not going to be able to, you know, have the energy to really work on the other things that I care about. Right. There's people that say, oh, yeah, just take a job that you don't care, that, that just pays you whatever. So you can work on on the side, you know, what, you, what really matters. You could work towards that. But that doesn't work for everybody. Right. Like certain people like myself need that energy, you know, on their daily job to give them that energy otherwise. Right. Because I don't get that energy anywhere else. Right. I love my family, but <laughs> they don't care about any of the things I care about. Right. I can't talk with literally anybody in my life. About the things I care about, the pa- things I have passion for, and even it's it's even hard to find people online who have the same level of passion for these types of technology and things like that. You know, the only way you find that is with these fucking tech bros and shit. Like, and, uh, I don't want to <laughs> talk to a bunch of you know these 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 unempathetic, you know, capitalistic tech bros. Even back then, even when I was a tr- even when I called myself a a wannabe trillionaire, when I was on this grind of wanting to you know conquer the world and all this other stuff i still did not want to surround myself with a bunch of tech girls right even back then so i knew myself enough to 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 know that i couldn't just take any job even if it paid more and i think that's why it's important for certain businesses right for certain people to be like i know i don't have enough i know this is not going to be ideal but I'm going to do it anyways, right? Because there's going to be people who care about this. Right? And this goes into number two, where, where I was saying, like, business is not exclusive to capitalism. Right? Capitalism is simply the capitalization of resources, right? The, the idea of privatizing resources for an individual's cap you know individual's gain and nothing in that equation necessitates that business has to function this way right and the entire time I was at the arcade I was like I want to do my own <laughs> right the entire time I was I was there I was learning you know what it would be like to, to have this sort of business and what are the downfalls of this approach because I knew that once I did my own it's going to be completely different right it will be more like a non-profit where people can come in and play for free <laughs> all right anybody can just just come in and just try uh, try stuff I want I want to create I'm not going to do the whole spiel right now but I want to create businesses where people can come in and use a service for free right? Because that shouldn't be, that price should not be a, a, you know, in their calculation, right? That price should not be a barrier to people. If you want to offer a service to people, offer that goddamn service, right? People should be able to, if you want to solve a problem, people should be able to use your service to solve that problem. Point period blank. The only reason why there is a price tag on that is because of capitalism. Is because certain people want to gain a profit off of that. 
And yes, some people try to justify that, say, oh, we need to make a profit so that I can, so the person supplying that service can live, right? No. (laughs) Because nine times out of ten, once you get above a certain amount of profit, you no longer need any more to, (laughs) to, you know, live anymore, all right? Now your justification becomes what? Oh, I need to be rewarded (laughs) for all my work. And yet, as, as you go more and more up the pyramid, as you make more and more money, you do less and less work, right? You do less and less labor. And you're just living off of the, the um, what do you, what'd they call that? The, um, ex- goodness, I'm mad I forgot that word. But you know what I mean, right? You live off of the, the extra stuff, right? You live off of the, the, the long tail of the initial work that you did, if you even did initial work, because a lot of these, a lot of times these capitalists, they just buy stuff that other people did, <laughs> buy stuff with money that they didn't, they don't even own. Like they, it's it's a it's a creed in, in capitalist circles to never use money, to never use your own money, right? To use other people's money. So not only do they not do the initial work. But they also don't use their initial money. So what labor are you actually doing? <laughs> All right? The labor of, of connecting money with, with, with resources? Like, we just make an algorithm for that at this point. <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah, like, the fact is that business does not have to be one in, uh, in which... You know, it's just purely capitalistic type of thing. It could be simply, you know, people who want to solve a problem and create a solution around it, creating services, and then other people use those services, and you're learning about how how people use those services and then how to improve them, right? All of that can exist without this profit motive, and it can exist if we create a society. And it doesn't have to be all at once. It could be a piecemeal at a time. But we create a society in which people no longer have to work to survive. Which people do not need money to meet their needs. Right? I've talked about this many, many times before. So I won't go too on too much on it today. Um, but yeah, we should live in a, an environment where you can just pick up your food from around your, your space. Right? Pick up freaking fruit trees all around um crops all around or whatever right grow your own food all of this should be able to be applied and now we have the the mechanisms the the um automation all this other stuff to make this sort of thing much more possible possible without any human interaction (laughs) with the environment even though i don't really i don't really uh recommend that right i think there should be more of a a confluence of, of that where you have humans who, who can interact with the environment, but the automation scales that, right? So the human is, because it's incredibly important, I think, for humans to interact with the environment. But we can use automation, right, to scale that such that once it becomes, once it strays from, from, from um, hobby, from a hobby that you enjoy doing, right? Because it's fun to be able to plant things and tend to trees and, tend to the you know the land and all this other stuff but when that strays into labor <laughs> and so back-breaking labor right where you're at risk of falling or injuring yourself from constantly having to do the same motion over and over again or all this other stuff all that can be automated 
right? Harvesting, processing food, um, all this stuff. Like all that can be har- can be automated. And so there's no, there would be no reason for you to have to pay people to do the basic work. Because the basic work is not done by people. It's done by automation. And the people only maintain a little bit here, direct it, you know, uh, plant things for fun, whatever, right? They can enjoy the experiences of living as opposed to, you know, just trying to survive in this world where we don't actually need people to, to, to labor to that end. So you no longer have to reward people for their for their labor because they're already rewarded <laughs> just by being alive. Right? And anything beyond that, yeah, we can still have some sort of, you know, financial system or ec- economy where people are, you know, able to receive some reward for additional things they do, right? Like if you figure out a new way uh, a new way for anything, right? A new new stuff, new inventions, innovations, and all this other stuff. Right or art or anything else, right? That can be rewarded through people a using it, <laughs> right? B giving you recognition and credit, and through and C I was gonna say three, <laughs> and C um, building on your work, right? Like there's no actual reason why need to, why we need to create a system that abstracts away the reward from the actual. Um, fulfillment part of, of the reward so what I mean by that is like when we say we want to reward people for their labor right or recognize you know innovations all this other stuff whatever what we do right now is abstracted right we give people money <laughs> but that money is is not the thing that actually that people actually want right the thing that people actually want is to be able to, you know, afford the type of lifestyle they, that they want to live, right? If they want to go on trips, if they want to buy this car, if they want to, you know, do this activity or whatever, right? Eat this food. And so why not give them those directly, right? Like, if we live in a world in which we can automate most of the labor anyways, there's no reason why we need to... Um, gate the the rewards right we need to put this stuff behind a gate of money to access it the only time you might need money in this better system is to go far beyond right um not not even that right i would say it would be to trade with people that you have no relationship with right like if you wanted to like in, in, the, in this better system Almost all your needs will be met By simply living in your environment Because locally we can grow the types of foods that you need We can, you know, um, have the types of uh, Build the types of services that people, people want You know um, Like everything from food, housing, um, infrastructure Stuff like that, internet, transportation All that can be done on a local level Hyper-local level but there are certain things that are exotic. For instance, if you want a type of food that only grows in a different region, right? Or if you want a type of resource that only is found in a different region. 
that's where you might need trade to say okay you know i have this you know i I have this resource or they have that resource i want that how do i get it (laughs) if you can't just a ask them and they you know don't give it to you then you're like okay what what can i give in exchange right and that's where you might want to use money but the money even then what shouldn't be the default because Mm -hmm. that reduces the amount of trade that you can do and reduces the amount of you know direct relationship building that you can do because when you have money <laughs> right it reduces the, the the field of communication because when i give somebody if you put a price on the thing you say okay i take this amount of monies for this thing then there's no other conversation that needs to be had <laughs> it's just that amount of monies and some markets they still negotiate it's okay a little bit more a little bit less monies but that's it even in those negotiation markets but the human the thing that makes humans so amazing is our ability to socialize to communicate to form relationships not this ability to pass monies back and forth right we're not computers we're not you know some simple uh transactive um creature right we're, we have this complex socialization skill that is able to develop so many incredible systems because we want to communicate on so many different levels so instead of reducing the field of trade to just money we should open it up and say okay i'll take anything like what, what do you want to trade with like you want to trade with services you want to trade with you know um this other resource you want to barter you want to just give it as a gift right um but even with that you know there might be a a social you know aspect to it like remember i gave you that gift so i might come later on and ask for a gift or something like that right like all of that enables far more uh relationship building and that's the meat of what it means to be human and it's it's unfortunate that a lot of people today see that as a bad thing they say oh no that's scary i don't want to have to negotiate and borrow all this other stuff that's not because you know you can't do it or even because i would even argue that it's not even because you don't want to do it i say it's because you your your ability to do it is atrophied right that's like people saying oh i don't want to walk <laughs> i don't want to walk anywhere that's that's ridiculous right like humans need to walk <laughs> we need to move all right even handicapped people need to move from place to place similarly we as humans need to communicate from place to place and even if you may have some some blocker right because I don't want to necessarily say a disability it can be a disability in some ways sometimes not right but even if you have this this barrier that makes it difficult for you to walk but for in this day in, in this instance for you to communicate with other other humans there are different ways in which we can facilitate that to help, right? To help bridge that gap. Or even, you know, create ways to be more accessible for your type of um, barrier, your type of blocker. Just like with, with folks who can't walk, we build ramps and all this other stuff, right? To make the world more accessible. Likewise, for communication, right? Instead of just saying, oh, it's all, it's all just money, <laughs> which is a huge, bigger barrier and only, you know, 
um, makes it accessible for people with money, so it makes the world less accessible. Instead of that, we can create various types of technologies that make things like communication more accessible, right? Now we have, like for instance today, we have AI and AR. So we can create a, a system in which people who have difficulties socializing, who have social anxiety or you know um, certain types of autism that makes it difficult to communicate your feelings or emotions or understand other people's feelings and emotions and things like that, right? We can have these technologies that enable that person to see <laughs> those emotions, to see the, the facial expressions that people have, to viscerally understand you know, what this other human is trying to say as they communicate and builds that muscle within them, even if you know, that muscle is, is disabled or otherwise you know, blocked or something like that, right? So we should be creating a world in which it is more accessible, right? More open, more more visceral, more fulfilling to be alive, to exist within our system. Furthermore, going back to you know this thing of business and, and all this other stuff. The fact that we have to depend on money means that you have to make these terrible calcul calculus, terrible calculations that say, oh, you know, I have this amount of money and that is like basically the only thing I'm really looking at. Because if you don't have that money, then everything else kind of falls to the wayside. And so this system reduces, pe reduces people to this, this, this monetary metric to this, oh, how much do people cost? Right? And because of that, when you have when you have when you see your balance <laughs> and you say, okay, we can only we only have this amount of money left to function as a business, that means you end up looking at other people as expenses. And that's disgusting, right? That's dehumanizing. But that's what capitalism demands. Because if you don't, what's the alternative, right? Just try to keep hiring, keep them on the, the payroll. And then the entire business collapses and everybody, you know, who's working there no longer has that ability. No longer has those resources. And that's what really, really sucks about this, right? Is like the fact that firing people, laying off people and all this other stuff is in a better world. It's inhumane. <laughs> and today's world is just normal. But it shouldn't be. Because the fact is, again, people need money to live, to survive in our current system. It doesn't have to be like this. It wasn't always like this. It, doesn't ha it, does it better not, it will not be like this <laughs> in the future. But today it is. And because of that, whenever you fire or reduce pay or whatever hours or whatever that's people's livelihoods that are impacted right that's people that may not be able to pay their bills that may not be able to keep their home and all those other things and so that is it's just so messed up on so many levels because on the one side right you have the fact that the business has so much more power over the employee. 
And so the employee can't really negotiate it. And the employee can't really, you know, there's not much they can do. Even if you have like a, a talent that's really desirable for the business. It's, it's still likely that the business can find that talent somewhere else. Because there's 8 billion people on this planet, right? Like, there's a lot of people to pick from. And it's highly unlikely you're going to be the best in the world. And maybe the business can just, you know, do without for a little bit so they can find, you know, so they can get through whatever tough time they're in. But the person who who, who, who has that talent, the person who was applying that, right, what are they going to do, right? They can't just hold through. They might be able to, they might have had savings, but... Unlike that business, right? There's almost certainly going to be less savings than whatever the business had. Because the business is able to get savings from a number of people. A number of sources. While the person, usually not. Especially if they're, you know, not some middle, or not some upper middle class type of, you know, uh, background. So there's this terrible power indifference there this is terrible dehumanizing effect there where you're reducing people to their just their costs their expenses and then on top of all that there's this terrible fact that everybody else now sees that right because oftentimes when you're in a job when you're working and stuff like that you don't really think about that too much people have this idea of job security um, and you kind of begin to buy into the to, to this illusion of safety right this illusion that, oh yeah you're fine your, your company's doing well and all this other stuff but the reality is they can let you go at any point in time especially in like in america many places here in america but there are no there are no labor laws that that say oh you need to you know warn people or you need to um give people a certain amount of pay you know for them to for a couple months and all like there's nothing like that so companies could just let you go for any reason, at any time. So you could be completely caught off guard. So it also reduces like trust in the company and morale if you want to go that way, right? Like everybody else who's left is now, is now like, oh, what the? It breaks their illusion of safety. And now they have to, you know, think about this stuff again. And realize that, oh, they're not safe. But me, like, honestly, I'm always thinking about this stuff. It's funny, too, because even, like, not really funny, but... It, like, a few weeks before this happened, um, I was talking with my, one of my coworkers. I was like, man, we, ha- we always have to think that they can let us go at any time, right? It's never good to to put all your all your eggs here, like, to... To buy into this idea of safety. And maybe it's just because I've worked at the arcade. Or just because I'm conscious of capitalism and class and all this other stuff. But like the fact of the matter is like. You can't be too dependent on your on your employer. Like even for me like this is a job that I feel like is one of my dream jobs. But it's not my dream. Like my dream is to live in a world where we don't have to worry about money anymore. Where all these all these things, where life can just be about you know creating a better world, 
and you're not worried about survival. That's my dream. So any any job, doesn't matter what kind of how 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 well I'm being paid or or what type of stuff I'm working on or type of people I'm working with, none of that matter none of that matters if we still don't live in a world where people no longer have to worry about, you know, will this job drop me? Will I have the ability to pay for my life? <laughs> so yeah. I forgot what number three was, but <laughs> just to put a cap on number two. We should live in a world where business is once again about solving problems, providing services. And there shouldn't be a calculation of, you know, the expenses for other people, right? There shouldn't be that calculation. The calculation should only be in terms of how well are you solving that problem? How well are you providing that service? And what type of resources are you using, right? Are you wasting those resources? And resources, I mean actual resources, right? Like like the, the stuff that we get from the environment, right? Not people. People aren't resources, right? We shouldn't reduce people to this idea of resource, the human resource or whatever, right? Like it's inhumane, like it's dehumanizing. Business should be about solving problems. Business should be a group of people who come together because they like working with each other and they want to solve this problem together. All right. Anything else beyond that is terrible. <laughs> right? It limits the business. The fact that you have to worry about uh, hiring other people, not hiring, like you can bring other people on, obviously, but the fact that you have to worry about, like, can we afford to supply this to person's this person's life, right? Pay for this person's life, essentially. The fact that you have to take that on is is terrible, right? It makes the business less more risk averse because now you're not going to make as many risks that you might need to make in order to solve bigger problems you're not or if you do is very irresponsible because if you fail right like that's people's entire lives that can be on the line there and uh yeah it's just it's just terrible so yeah, we need to create a world. This is why, once again, it's so important on every facet of you you can imagine, right? It's better for business to live in a in a better world to live. And I'm not putting names on like socialists or or even anarchists or anything like that because even though I do, <laughs> I do imagine it as an anarchist world, but like the fact is that it's I. Especially with a lot of things like anarchism, I mean, not, not, uh, socialism, it doesn't really go far enough, right? Like, oftentimes, and this is mostly a failing of just how people see. It. Like, many, much of the text does go into further detail, but the 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 general way in which most people think about socialism, they don't think about the material fact 
of you know where the food is coming from and all this other stuff right people think about it in terms of oh the government supplies everything like no there is no government in the ideal world right this is why i personally see it closer to anarchism but even with anarchism again people just see it as no rules even though it's not no rules it's no rulers <laughs> but people when you say these words it, it kind of reduces the ability for people to imagine that better world when i want people to imagine here is not just whatever you think about when you think about socialism or anarchism or, what, or anything else i want people to imagine a world in which you can walk outside and get any food you want <laughs> all right within reason obviously and reason being what's what's local to your region right what's local to your environment because we don't want to live in a world where you have this unsustainable practice of of creating exotic fruits and vegetables and all this other stuff um, in every region like it, it, it destroys the environment it's unsustainable but imagine a world right where you can get anything local to your ecosystem you know by just walking outside you know two two to ten minute walk if that right you can or even less right maybe it's in your backyard so 30 second walk <laughs> right or maybe it's just in like the, the there's a, a communal garden right communal uh, not just a garden right I'm thinking of like an entire agricultural you know setup where they have this uh, food forest right there might be a food forest in your area where people grow different types of food in the same area because you don't want to depend on cash crops you don't want to depend on monoculturalism and stuff like that also is destructive to the environment right you want to have this diverse ecosystem so you have a, something like a food forest where you have different types of foods growing you can pick them off the trees or you can pick up things that people have already harvested right it's in a storage unit or something of some sort and there's less waste because the storage unit is right next to <laughs> the the food production area so things are, are are fresher things are not being wasted if anything is not being eaten before you know and it's about to go bad it goes into the compost right so you can recycle it back into that environment and even if you want processed foods you can also have that locally right instead of these big companies putting all these chemicals into this food to make it you know quote unquote tastier <laughs> which really means making it more addictive right putting way too much sugar way too much salt and all this other stuff instead you can have your own processing little little plant you know um, within your neighborhood right this micro facility where you actually see the types of ingredients that goes into the type of food that you want to, that you want to have right and that food forest is not just you know um, vegetables and fruit it can also be animals right it can also be meat <laughs> that you want to eat but because it's right there in front of you you're going to be more aware of where your food comes from and how much of it you're eating or how much of it you're wasting so you're not going to be oh let's let's get a whole bunch of food and just let it sit there in your pantry or whatever like we, we won't <laughs> you won't need to have this huge pantry stocked up with a bunch of food because your food is right fucking there <laughs> all right and then when you eat right you're most likely not going to waste a lot of that food 
if you're full, then you could just bring it to the compost, right? You can bring the rest of the compost or most likely right, when you eat, you're not going to eat in just an individual, in, like a little individual dining room or something like that, right? Where it's just you or just like your little family. Instead, you can eat with the community, right? You can have a, a whole gumbo like pot, right? Or if you don't like that, which I, I, I feel you, like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not that type of person. But you can still have like a, a central um, dining area for your entire neighborhood, right? Where you can eat with your friends or the other people that you care about in your community. And that's another thing, right? You live in a community not with a bunch of strangers, but with a bunch of friends. People that you enjoy being around. Because you chose to be in that community. That's another thing, right? Because if every community can offer the type, these types of resources, right? Then you have way more choice with where you want to live. Instead of saying, oh, I can only live here because this has the best school and this has the best, you know, access to stores and this has the best, this best. No. Every, almost pretty much every community has great, great um, education. And I'm going to get to schooling in a second, right? Great education, great access to uh, foods and other products, great access to leisure items and all those other things. And it's all unique, right? I'll get to that in a minute, too. But... The fact is each community has these different types of, you know, resources, but they all have basic resources that you need to live freely available. That's just being a part of that community. So maybe it won't be 100% free, right? Or maybe it is. I'll get, I'll get to that. Maybe. <laughs> but the fact is that either way, you live in this environment where you're around friends all the time, right? People that you actually care about, that you know, that you trust. And you want to eat with them. Right? So instead of you having this singular area where you only eat with your yourself or your family, you eat with like <laughs> anybody that you want that you that you want to care about, your friends, your whatever, right? And so the reason why I, why I hone in on in on that is because socialization, right, is another basic human need. Right? It's not just some uh Something that's nice to have Like no it's, it's, it's a need <laughs> You need to be around people that you care about That you befriend and all this other stuff So that's an important part of living in that community But yeah like You can share food with them It can be at the same pot or not Up to you on that But there is also some um, Technologies there that allow you to see Okay how much food are we bringing in You know how much are we taking out when people are eating and using it for different resources? How much are we going to have for the next uh, season, next couple of years or something like that, right? Where this AI and stuff like that is able to measure the ground, measure the measure the nutrients in the soil, measure the air, measure the, 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 the trees, the crops, the, the, the animals, all this stuff, right? They'll be able to measure all these things. And it doesn't have to be AI like we know it today. It could be just simple simple sensors. They're able to see, okay, X amount of pH, X amount of carbon, X amount of whatever, right? Like, <laughs> it just could be a sensors that tells you all these things and brings it together in a easy-to-read dashboard. So you can easily see, you know, what type of, like, what's the sustainability of your community? And so you know if you're taking too much or if you're, or if you have a surplus or whatever, right? And you can plan ahead, you know, to a certain extent, um... And then 
if you do run into a problem, right, you can work with other communities that do have surpluses and you can, you know, have that trade and stuff like that, right? And within these communities at the same time, it's not just, you know, agricultural stuff or anything like that. It's any type of jobs, right? So if you want to work at, you know, a type of tech company, or if you want to build certain type of technologies, if you want to do some type of retail stuff, if you want to do some type of, you know, beauty technician stuff, if you want to, um, whatever, right? Any type of job or anything like that you can imagine, you can offer those services to that community, right? And or at the same time, right? You can also work with other people in your you know your extended communities right the communities connected to yours right it's fractal in nature such that each within like each community has the resources within the, in, the, in themselves and each out household even has like micro resources right so you have you might have your own personal garden or personal you know um little 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 snacks and stuff like that right that you can have um that you've if you want like if you want to create it for yourself or whatever right like it doesn't limit you in terms of oh the only way you can get food is from the no like you can create your own little gardens if you want whatever but even with that like it, it also shows you know the sustainability of that um of that little personal garden so you can say for yourself okay how much resources do i need here and all this other stuff right and that works in tandem with the communal one so if you need a certain amount of water for instance then you you know for sure whether or not the community even has that amount of water for your personal garden and if everybody wants a personal garden and you have too much you know water or whatever um being used for all these personal gardens then you all can have a conversation like do we really all need personal gardens right maybe we realize that oh these amount of people are trying are basically growing the same thing so you can just have a a, a, a little mini garden <laughs> between all of you you know that's separate from the bigger communal food forest garden or whatever you want to call it that you know you can grow your own things together so instead of wasting all that water for each individual need you all can share and maybe you all don't you realize you don't want to live in your own house right maybe you want to live together and you can do that too right but there's this freedom this is ease of of access to live together to live apart to go move somewhere whatever so yeah um even for services beyond you know food production and stuff like that many people may not may not care about that right many people may 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 be like myself want to create certain technologies or want to play games or whatever right so you could do that too we still have the internet so you can still you know go online and and do all these types of things but the internet even the internet right you can have a local network right a local server for your community you can have even one for yourself where it's easy to spin up your own server if you wanted right but then you also have a communal kind of server where the community stores their knowledge and their you know their local access to the internet so you don't have to again you don't you won't even have to pay for internet <laughs> right and if anybody wants to improve that technology right somebody figures out a better internet then they can it's, it's all open source right they can update other people so you can say oh we have this update that makes the internet you know faster that makes it safer blah 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 blah, blah. and you can choose your community can be like okay yeah we want that <laughs> and it, you know you can build off of that right so it becomes more about collaboration and and you know just humans working together to make a better world rather than this individualistic 
you know, everyone for themselves type of mindset that makes everyone very fairly limited in comparison to where we can be. And I'm at my limit here, so I'm going to end this segment and start a new one because this is going to be two hours. <laughs> I'll be right back. Okay, so I may have to go inside for the rest of this because uh, my battery is low. Um, but yeah, so what was I? So yeah, creating a better world, super important here for making business better, right? So you no, you no longer have to create these sorts, have these terrible dehumanizing calculations and all this other stuff. Instead, um, when you create a business, right, in this a better type of world, then you can, you know, you might live in this one community, but you want to work with other people either in that community or other people outside the community, right? And so you can choose to work with people other in those other communities, um, and you can come together to solve a problem that 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 entire community might have or anybody might have in the world, right? Um, but because you no longer have to worry about, oh, can people, you know, uh, do you have to pay people to live, right? Then you only have to worry about, oh, is this the person that we want to work with? Do we vibe with them, right? Do they uh, have the skills that we want, that we need to solve this problem? If so, then yeah, bring them on the team. And that person can in turn be like, does this company, does this group of people, you know, um, do I like them? Do I care about them? Do, do I vibe with them? Are they solving a problem that I care about? You know, do they work in the way that I want them to work or that I vibe with or whatever, right? And so it's a very mutual understanding of like, oh yeah, okay, both sides really, you know, vibe together and they click. And because you can have these business, because you can have these teams that are way more, that, that really care for each other, right? Nowhere in that calculation are they are they saying, you know what, I don't really, this is not really ideal for me, but I need the money, right? Nowhere in that calculation is, eh, I don't give a shit about what they're doing, but they make a lot of money, right? Like nowhere in that calculation is this, you know, money aspect in which completely, you know, puts aside the, 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 the solving the problem part, right? Nowhere in this do you have to sacrifice um, something in order to work with this team. And because of that, teams can be way more cohesive. Teams can be way more collaborative, right? They can care a lot more about what they're working on. They can be more passionate, passionate more uh, focused, more um, cohesive, more communicable, whatever. And I'm pretty sure we're going to create way more, way better products, way better services, and way faster because of this, right? Because you no longer have to have worry about these like these silly you know, politics or, you know, or any instances of um, labor violations where people are saying, oh, you need to work longer than, you know, work longer hours and stuff like that. Because if you don't, if you don't want to do that, right, like, you don't have to work there. Like, point, it's, all right, bye, right? I ain't about to kill myself over a job that I'm, <laughs> that I don't actually need to survive, right? The only reason why I'm, I'm going to be working with the job or anybody, right, is, is because they want to solve that problem. And they like the people that they're working with. So if the people that they're working with become, you know, um, not, no longer good, right? Like <laughs> if, they're, if there's any sort of stupid office politics or... And I'm not, not, not going to say there's not going to be any office politics because politics are just people communicating, right? But a lot of times what makes politics, any, in any sense of the word, right? Office politics or world politics or whatever you want to call it, it... The reason why they're, they're, they're so problematic is because of this power 
imbalances is because of the fact that certain people like your boss or whatever has the power to fire you and make your life terrible right but if you that boss or whatever the person who started this company no longer has that power then it it doesn't right there's no there's no real bite to the politics right and it, it, it just becomes something fun to do right it's a fun little interaction people have between each other not something that um is ultimately you know uh terrible or, or you know insufficient so it could be very interesting i think to live in a world where people don't have to worry about this stuff anymore um i think it would be way more productive in many ways and yeah people will probably work less hours <laughs> we're finally living in that world that our um that the visionaries of the last century imagined right they imagined a world where people only have to work 16 hours a week if that right it might be four hours <laughs> what's the four hour work week or something like that um like that's possible and people be working less but yet be more productive because there's far less waste there's far less bullcrap there's far less you know um having to to, to tiptoe around you know certain people's <laughs> you know um power imbalances and th stuff like that like it's it's way more cohesive and, and and possible so yeah i could probably go on and on about this but i do want to get to the other points too if i remember them now <laughs> i think point three was i well i was going to get into ai i, I think and point four was XR, or was that point five? Sheesh! I'm so sorry, y'all. <laughs> ah, I'm so sorry. I didn't. I don't write any of these just down. I just come up with it as I as I walk. Um, I don't quite remember what was point three, but anyways, yeah. It seems I'm pretty sure I had something else here. I don't know, but I'll, I'll go on to X, to AI because I did mention that before. So yeah, AI is is a big part of this, right? AI is, I think, what's going to make a lot of this scalability possible, as well as make a lot of it more transparent. And ideally, right, the, the ideal use for AI, in my eyes, is not merely to, you know, create some AGI that is some, some god-like technology, technological creature or something like that, but is to um, balance the playing field, right? such that other people anybody can have either have access to the type of resources that they need and or have the transparency to understand you know how resources are being used and and how these different power imbalances are are happening right so what i mean by that is if you have this ability for artificial intelligence where you can ask it any question and it answers you right it knows how to get the answers or it knows how to get you the resources or whatever right then you can ask it you know um am i being treated fairly right in my job or what does a better world look like even better yet right you can ask it um things like you know how do we create a world in which you know we we don't need money to live in which we can give everyone the type of lifestyle that they need and all this other stuff and it can run those calculations for you right 
This is why I don't really even see the current AI as real AI because it's just filling in the blank. It's, it's not even filling in the blanks, right? It's just giving you a response that may or may not be accurate, right? And for me, if it's anything that's intelligent, it's not just making up answers, right? It's, it's, doing, it's, it's going through a process that is able to falsify things or, you know, attest to its accuracy and stuff like that, right? Like the difference between somebody who's truly intelligent, like a human, that's truly intelligent, and one that's just has a facade of intelligence, right? Is that the truly intelligent person has the ability to say, I don't know, <laughs> has the ability to say, I have this amount of certainty or this amount of accuracy that this is correct. Right has the ability to say that this is the process that we that we did to find this answer, and this is why we know this is right or wrong, and this is why we know this is this is things that we don't know as much about it. Right, like what makes science so incredibly powerful as a process, as a structure, as a system, is that it it um, consistently is meant, and it can be misused, right, or it can be ignored or whatever right but it's consistently is meant as a means of saying this is this is what we found out this is how we found out about it this is how you can reproduce it this is how you can falsify it. this is how you can make sure you know to, to this is how you can test right to see if it's accurate yourself and because of that you can find some you can get towards truth right i'm not gonna say you can find truth because i think that you know and this goes more into philosophy but I also see that as a type of science, right? Um, as the original <laughs> scientists and philosophers saw it, right? It's like, I think that truth itself is like perfection. It's a, it's a horizon that you will always go towards but never reach, right? Truth is not some, I don't think there's an objective truth out there. I think the universe itself doesn't even behave like that, right? We see that on a quantum level, right? There is no, when you get to the down to the electrons and all this, like there is no thing there is no singular thing that says okay there is a particle like no it's a probability space like it's it can't exist there or there or there right and the stuff that we see today is a probability probability right and we don't know exactly how that manifests in the in the, in the macro world it might be many worlds it might be one it might be you know there's different probabilities that that come in in and out of existence it might be all sorts of things right we don't really know but what we can observe so far is that on the basic on the most basic of levels that we can see it doesn't exist there is no objective thing right there is a probability space and it's not purely subjective but it's also not purely objective right so likewise i don't think that we're going to i don't think that science or anything like that is is, is about finding the truth i think it's about constantly going towards truth the direction of truth right and so there's always more to learn. There's always more to find out. Likewise, for artificial intelligence, right, it should be able to automate this process or at least make it easier for more, more make it more accessible, right, for more people to engage in this process of science, of being able to look at things and say, oh, that's, that's the ground, right? That's the grass. What can I grow here, right? And so the 
the intelligence, the AI systems should be able to sense the ground, should be able to see what's, what kind of ground you have, see the environment that you're in, right? The climate and all this other stuff and say, okay, this is the type of local fauna here. You know, this is what you can grow here. This is how, how you grow it. And it makes that process super easy for you to understand and even go through that process yourself, right? Like, this is what AI should be. It shouldn't be just chatbot that you sit there and say, oh, yes, mm, let me talk. Let me talk to myself. Let me <laughs> let me have this this virtual this virtual porn, right? And by that I mean like this 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 system, like current chatbot is. I mentioned this before, right? It's, it's like a, it's like porn. This it gives you the 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 visuals of the facsimile of what the thing that you want, right? In this case, it might be socialization. It might be knowledge, right? It gives you the facsimile of that, but dramatized, right? It, it 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 takes away all the details like real sex is it's about you know intimacy it's about communication it's about these funny moments <laughs> where, where where you're not really sure what's happening but you do it in ways because you know you you have this communication with the other person and you care about each other and you want to you know explore each other and stuff like that right but porn it just oh this is the climax this is the you know the fancy stuff right this is the the stuff that the, that that you see that you imagine is what sex is about, right? <laughs> but in, in reality, there's far more details that you know is important for it, for 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 making this experience a healthy system, as opposed to just you know this this empty husk of um, of pleasure, right? Likewise for this chat, real chat, right? Real communication is about discovering what this other person wants to do is thinking right having this communication uh, having these moments where you don't understand what the hell is going on right (laughs) but you're trying to understand it you're trying to you know uh, understand what you're saying what they're saying and all this other stuff right it's about intimacy it's about um discovery it's about all these things that you're that you're doing together you know with the other person even if it's just with yourself like this podcast right it's it's a it's a journey it's an experience it's a all this other things right but when you're talking with an ai or a quote-unquote ai right with these chat bots it's the the bot is just trying to give you what you expect <laughs> it's trying to give you all those highlights it's trying to say oh yeah this is oh yeah you're, you're so smart or oh here's this cool fact right it's cool fact right look look at this thing right this, this is the knowledge that you were looking for but it there's no there's no context around it there's no ability to you know understand how i got there why i got there or you know its perspective or any of these these types of things right it's just giving you what it found online and even that it's giving you a facsimile of what it found online right it's making stuff up half the time or you know it's just copying stuff half the time and saying yeah i i i created this (laughs) like there's no this there's a severe lack of intimacy of details of 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 so much that makes communication more fulfilling but it's addictive right it gives you the feeling of what you expect to get out of this experience and because of that it's extremely popular right porn is one of the most popular you know website places whatever online precisely because it's so freaking addictive and that's why I think we need to be very careful about AI. Like AI is, I think the most dangerous part of AI is not some system that's going to take over the world, right? 
I can only hope that we have a system like that. <laughs> no, what's dangerous about it is that it makes us feel like we're doing something when we're really not. It makes us feel like we're being productive. It makes us feel like we're having friends. It makes us feel like you know we, we we're learning something. It makes us feel like we're we're we're, we're um I don't know solving problems <laughs> when in reality we're just chatting with a bot that's making stuff up half the time. In reality, we're just watching porn, <laughs> right? We're just masturbating with ourselves, saying, "Oh yeah, we're so great, we're so great." But then you feel empty inside. You feel disgusted. Afterwards, and, and I don't think we're there yet with AI, unfortunately, right? That's not, like with porn, and I say this as a person who was, you know, addicted to porn <laughs> for a long time growing up, right? So this, this is why I can speak on this, like, with such level of <laughs> detail. But, like, with porn, it takes you a certain amount of time to realize what the hell is going on, right? Because for the first couple of years, maybe, could be less, but could be more. But for the first, I don't know, X amount of time, you don't really realize how bad it is for you, right? You think you're just giving, you know, whatever, beating off or whatever, just or enjoying the experience. Like for me, I never even masturbated for the first ten years or something like that. I watched porn. Like I never actually masturbated before I lost my virginity because I didn't. <laughs> I had this weird idea that oh yeah, masturbation is like losing my virginity to myself. It doesn't. I don't, it doesn't make sense. It was stupid, but nonetheless, for some reason, I stuck with it. And I, ne- I actually never masturbated when I watched porn, and so it was for me. It was a completely, it was a completely, um, not completely, because obviously I'm still in a physical body, but it was a very much psychological thing, right? Like of just watching these things, like this, the, the the movements, the you know, the pretense at intimacy and all this other stuff, right? Um, so it, for me, it was less about the actual action of masturbation, more about the actual porn itself, right? And, of course, the feelings that you get inside of yourself that you can't really stop either way. Um, one second, because my battery's really about to die. Okay, hopefully I can be as, uh, as good in here. But, I don't know, something about walking around outside that really helps the mind to explore and, and uh, be more clear. Plus, I feel like I have to be quieter because people still sleep. <laughs> um, what was I? Got exactly where I was, but yeah, like with this chat system, right? This, this current quote unquote AI, a lot of it is extremely reductive. It doesn't really get to the meat of you know what it means to improve one's intelligence or to you know parlay, if you will, with intelligence to communicate with another intelligent being, right? Um, it gives a fast meal of that. It makes you feel like you're communicating with another intelligent being. But because you're not actually, you know, in communication with somebody else, right? In building a relationship with another living creature, it makes it extremely fake, to be honest with you, right? Once again, like if you're watching porn, like it makes it feel like you're communicating with another human being like with another living creature it makes it feel like you're being intimate with another living person but you're not you're watching videos <laughs> or listening to audio or reading a book right it's not there's not there might be another person or there is another person on the other side 
but you can never get there right it's a it's one way street this is this is one of the problems of parasocial relationships right like it feels like it's real but it's one sided so it's not real <laughs> it's like talking to a mirror and saying yeah i'm talking to another person when in reality you're just talking with yourself but when, at least in a mirror you know that you're talking to yourself right so because of that your brain automatically you know does the type of calculations it does to 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 tell the difference between you talking with yourself versus you talking with somebody else right there's a different type of actions and expectations and things that you can get from talking to yourself versus talking with somebody else and so when you are being just with yourself like there's nothing wrong with masturbation or or with talking with yourself or whatever right with building relationship with yourself there's nothing wrong with that right like it's perfectly healthy and you should do that but when you are doing that number one in excess and number two in communication well with this idea with this illusion that you're actually talking with somebody else it almost breaks your brain right it's almost like a schizophrenic type of <laughs> idea like this idea that you're that you're communicating with somebody else or building a relationship with somebody else that's not actually there so this idea like all the the quote-unquote benefits that you think you're getting from communicating from building this relationship is not actually real <laughs> right it's virtual in the worst way it's made up it's a figment of your imagination and because of that, it's extremely dangerous. Because if you ever do come across that, or even if you don't come across that person that you think you're communicating with, right? You have this expectation now that you might come across them, or that the things that you're doing with them, right, in this virtual relationship, in this fake relationship, are things that you can do in real life to other people, right? Because the mind doesn't know the difference, right? It thinks, okay, you're, you're learning a lesson, right? You're learning how to build a relationship. You're learning, like, for instance, with porn. Like, you, you, you have this idea that, oh, this is how sex is. Oh, so this is how you should behave, and this is what you should do. But when you actually are in a real relationship and doing that in real life, you quickly realize, oh, no, it's not like that. You can't do all these things. This other person has their own ideas and and tolerances and things that they want to do and comforts and all this other stuff and if you never really engage with those skills with that ability to communicate and understand and learn what's from a realistic level of like how to actually negotiate with another human being with another living creature how to be empathetic right how to understand their needs and their wants and how to compromise or how to do this back and forth how to communicate on a realistic level not just how to get what you want from the system right that's an, that's another reason why i really hate this idea of ai right this idea that you can be a prompt engineer you just have to put the put the right prompt in and then you can get what you want out that's it that's an extractive relationship right it's a it's a it's just doing the same thing that capitalism does to the environment of just saying oh yeah just do this specific way of of getting in there and then you can get yourself out right 
it's this what Francis Bacon or whoever said this disgusting crap of nature you take nature by the hair and and take what you want out of her or whatever have your way with them right like no that's not how you should <laughs> engage with the environment or anything or anybody else when you're dealing with any creature with or any being anything right whether it's a living creature or even not right you want to well i don't know about that maybe living creatures right cuz well, I don't know. Because there's this idea that, like, what, like the Earth itself, right? It's made of a bunch of living creatures. Is the Earth itself living? There's debate on that. Like, and obviously, <laughs> from a purely scientific term, maybe not. But also from a purely scientific term, maybe so. Because, like, there's, it, there's a lot of nature, a lot of life that comes from Earth um, as, a, as a system in and of itself. So, anyways. <laughs> but either way, like... When you're communicating with you, when when you're building relationships, when you're um, living in an environment in an ecosystem, it's not about extracting, right? It's not about um, just capitalizing. It's not about just getting what you want. It's about forming that relationship. It's about understanding this mutual engagement, this mutual relationship where you can provide something for this system. Right, whether that be another person or a pet or plants, right, or whatever, like you can provide something and you can also get something back. And it's not purely transactive, right? It's not just I give you this, I get this. No. This is it's way more complex than that, right? It's a it's a dance. It's a oh, we enjoy being in this back and forth. It's a you know, I don't know exactly what I can give you or exactly what I want from you. But I enjoy being in communication with you, right? I enjoy being in relationship with you. And yes, you can even do this with plants and with other other creatures, right? Like it's like with your pet, right? You don't you don't have a pet just so they can, you know, you, it's not a transactional relationship between you and the pet or you and the plant, right? You don't water the plant and then the plant gives you air. Like no, it's <laughs> I enjoy having a plant. I enjoy having a pet. I enjoy being with another person, right? And so I pour myself into them. I do what I can to make their life better, and hopefully, right, they want to do so in return. And if they don't, then I can make this choice of, oh, maybe I don't want to be in communication with this person, right? Maybe I don't want to be in relationship with this creature, with this being, with this thing that isn't making me feel good, right? It's not purely transactive, but it's also not purely, you know, um, altruistic, right? It's not like you're giving everything to yourself of yourself to this other thing and nothing you you get nothing in return like no you also have needs right so it's a complex relationship between you and whatever that you're that you're whatever's outside of you or even within yourself you can have you know many of these same things but the point here is that this complex relationship is is much more than simply you know um prompting <laughs> what you want to get out it's much more than simply putting this program in and then having, you know, a, a, a binary return, right? It's much more than giving money and then getting money in return or getting a service in return. It's a, it's more, it should be more beautiful than that. It should be more, you know, engaged, more fulfilling than that. And so with our current AI, so-called AI, 
it leans far too much on this current capitalistic, you know, extractive, you know, system of you, oh, you have to prompt this thing in a certain way and then you get out what you think you want. Just like when you're watching going on Pornhub or whatever, you have to put it in a certain, you know, search search term or, or go to a certain tag to, to see the type of pleasure or the type of video, whatever, the type of clinical experience that you want to get out. That's not what sex is about, right? It's not what communication is not, but it's not what relationship is about. But for a long time, when you're watching porn and similarly when now with these AI chat, AI chat bots, you have this idea, you have this illusion that you're actually getting what you want, that you're actually getting what you need, when in reality you're not. And eventually you realize, right, you're, you're because either because you, you try to use these things in real life and it doesn't pan out or because you're just tired of not getting the, f the full fulfilling experience of that visceral physical experience, right? When you're communicating with somebody in real life, there's much more than just the words, right? There's the eye contact. There's the physical warmth. There's the chemical, um, you know, scent and, and aroma that you can't even consciously ex like understand right you don't consciously you know you're not consciously aware of that but it's still there it's, it's it's extremely important right the physical touch all these things but it takes a while for your brain to catch up to your, for your for you to realize that oh i'm actually i'm actually getting these things from this fake system and at some point, you know, you begin, this is why it becomes like a sort of addiction, right? Like, it's not just about you liking this thing and you going back and back and back to this thing. It's the fact that your body responds um, adversely to this thing where you need this more and more, but you're getting less and less from it, right? You're getting less and less pleasure. And so you need more and more extremes to the point where it becomes unsustainable where you're, you know, you're doing this in, in environments where you really shouldn't, like for porn, for instance, you might be trying to watch it on the bus or trying to, you know, watch it when people are at a movie theater or like in the random moments where you really shouldn't even be thinking about this, but it's just needling on your mind because you need this, you feel like you need this thing more and more, but you're getting less and less from it. And so it's affecting the other parts of your, of your life. And it begins controlling you, it begins taking over the other aspects of your life, the other aspects of your brain, of your mind, of your energy. And even when you do this activity, right, in real life, you don't get as much enjoyment as you should from it. Right? Like, with, again, with porn, like you, you, this is phenomena though where, where you don't last as long, right? Two seconds and you're done. Three seconds or whatever, right? Or on the adverse, like what happened with me, like I was never able to to come to orgasm like <laughs> for a while. Um, I'm not sure if that's you know a documented thing, but maybe it's because of my weird um, non-masturbatory thing. But like either way, it 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 atrophies your real life experience to the point where you have to change. You have to do something different. You have to let this go for you to, you know, 
actually enjoy the real life experience. And I think people are going to start seeing this with AI chatbots, if they haven't already seen it, right? People who communicate with chatbots more often more and more are going to start realizing, oh, I can't actually have these communications with real life people. Not because real life people are dumb or whatever, it's because I don't understand how to communicate with people. And may, and this is the problem too, right? Because it happens with porn all the time. Like, you, you, you have this idea that, oh no, this is what real life should be. And so yeah, maybe you do think, oh well, no, people are just dumb. People are just, you know, unhelpful. People are just, you know, whatever. And so you begin to try and apply these AI chatbot tools like prompt engineering and, um, you know, role playing and all this other stuff um, in order to make people do what the chatbot is doing in real life. <laughs> all right. Just like with porn, you realize, you think that, oh, you need to get off. You need to, you know, bust on them on their face or whatever. Have the, <laughs> right. All these unhealthy things, choke them out or whatever, uh, what kind of stuff you'd like. Um, but in reality, like, no, you have to communicate these sorts of things. You have to see what the other person likes to do, what wants to do. And if you also want to do that, right, you have to get consent. You have to, you know, um, meet their needs, right, and all this other stuff. And at first, it feels like, oh, no, this shouldn't, this shouldn't be how it is. I thought it would be more like this. Right at first, yeah, you begin. You you think that you you compare it to that fast meal that you had. But once you actually have a real life experience that's actually good, then you realize, oh wow, no, this is so much better. It's so much more visceral, so much more real, it's so much more fulfilling. Right? There's nothing like being able to touch another person. Being able to slowly caress them, or you know, I don't want to get too explicit, but like, there's nothing like that physical interaction, and it doesn't even have to be completely like sexual, right? It could be just the intimacy of being in presence of another person. Again, you can, you know, just make it completely non-sexual. Think about a pet or a plant, right? You can have a virtual plant or a virtual pet where you just feed them and look at them and, oh, yeah, it's nice. But when you have a physical plant or pet, there's it, nothing like it, right? Just looking at them is, is so amazing, right? I'm looking at my plant right now. Just the, 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 fear, the sheer amount of depth, the sheer amount of realization that it took me this amount of time to grow it to this level, right? The fact that I see it going in the, in the, the wind of my AC, like just moving a little bit. Right, like when I when I speak, it almost feels like it's it's moving in, in, re in response to my speech, even though it's nice, probably you know the air coming from my my mouth or the air coming from the AC vent or whatever. But either way, like it feels way more visceral than just looking at a plant on my screen. All right, and there's so much about the 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 real life experience of being in communion with this other being that can't be simulated not yet and we'll get to that in a second <laughs> all right to xr <clears throat> but let me drink some water the fact that ai makes it feel like you're getting these things like you're getting you know socialization intelligence and all this other stuff from a system 
that doesn't actually supply that I think is going to start making people number one feel like oh this is how real life should be so they're going to try, try to do this in real life but also number two hopefully number two people will real, real realize that AI that these chatbots are insufficient that no actually real life is better because it's not as easy because you can't just prompt somebody right even though people are going to try people do the, do that already right that's a whole red pill thing like oh yeah you just you just say these certain words to, to these to women and they act and they give you what they want right? you, or they give you what you want right like no <laughs> that's not how real life works it shouldn't work like that right and yes it may work for some people for some amount of time but inevitably it stops inevitably it collapses inevitably it no longer works or it you know um you realize how unfulfilling that type of um hack is you realize that there's so much more to life than just you know trying to optimize for a certain result and so i think ai should be less about trying to simulate this this fast meal of intelligence or, or socialization and instead it should be what computers do best computing <laughs> right calculating right giving us the numbers giving us the ability to automate right the fact that spreadsheets is what made computers so popular think about that like they had all these dreams for what computers can do in the 50s 60s 70s 80s or whatever and then they came out with spreadsheets and that's what made computers pop and then the internet right the internet didn't it wasn't amazing because it allowed you to to just chat with a random bots it's because it made you, it allowed you to chat with other people anywhere around the world it allowed you to see some uh, some piece of what other people were thinking and doing and and whatever all across the world it automated the ability for you to communicate with people across the world. It scaled the ability for you to communicate with people across the world. Right? So, if you really want to make AI that really, you know, opens up what computers can do, I think we need to focus more on automating, you know, things that we are already trying to automate, right? Like, like automating hard labor like right that people think that repetitive things that people don't want to do all the time right like I shouldn't have to um, I don't know cause personally for me I do as much as possible to take out all the repetitive actions all right like for, for from a young age I knew that I get very I get bored very easily so I don't know personally I don't have very many actions in my life that I do a whole lot um, the biggest thing for me is like my plants keeping up with like watering them on a regular basis so if I had a system and this goes into point the next point I want to talk about with XR a system that allows me to look at the plant and see how dry it is right so I don't have to guess anymore I can just be like oh yeah okay you need some water okay here boom <laughs> right automate the process of being able to understand you know how to make my plants help my plants be as healthy as possible right I think will be very enjoyable for me 
and maybe other people don't like maybe other people want to be able to just guess <laughs> whether or not their plans water needs water and stuff like that and can, and can do that but some people you know we should have that freedom right of, of, of okay some people you don't want any automation on your plants or, or anything else but some people do some people want a lot of automation right automate you know putting plants in my house so I can just just start planting things all over there's a robot that just finds plants and puts them in my house <laughs> right so, so I can have a whole jungle in my house or whatever you want if you want that <laughs> but the point is like I should be able to use AI to you know calculate these sorts of things to automate these sorts of things to scale these sorts of things rather than AI pretending to be another human for me to chat to for me to communicate with no like it should be a system that allows me to do to to focus on the other people that I want to communicate with right if I want to be in communion with other people I don't want to have to worry about like you know where do I get the food or you know where do I you know how do I clean up my house and all this other stuff like I, I should be able to have a robot or AI that is able to do all that for me so I can just focus completely on those other people I don't want to replace those people with the bot <laughs> alright and maybe some people might want to but that shouldn't be the only use for this for these systems right I would still argue that it, it that wouldn't be the best use of it of, of these bots but if people want to be able to j just communicate with bots fine yeah let them do that but that shouldn't we shouldn't have that shouldn't be like the only use for it like with chat GBT that's basically the only use for it if you want anything more you have to pay <laughs> and even then you have to be have to have some knowledge of you know coding and all this other stuff to put on the add-ons and do all these other things with it and even then it still only really does things in terms of a capitalistic mindset of like oh make me more money or optimize this you know um, do this homework for me right it's extractive it's one way it's it doesn't allow you to be like okay this is my home how do I, you know, make this environment better for the people that's living in the home, right? Or how do I, you know, like I said before, you know, plant <laughs> uh, certain foods that grow in my, my, my environment, right? Or how do I uh, find other people that I want to be in communion with, right? I don't think there's a way for these AIs, AI bots to be able to connect me with other people with like, that, that I can communicate with, that 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 I want to build companies with or something like that, right? Where's that matchmaking service? <laughs> Instead, they have, you know, these AI bots that are these virtual boyfriends and girlfriends or eventually virtual coworkers, but it doesn't connect me with other people that I want to be my coworkers, right? They have bots that create the, the perfect profile for you, but they don't, help me to connect with other people regardless of the profile alright maybe the profile is the way to do that but I don't really think so I think a better way would be you know for people to be able to communicate you know what they want um, and all this other stuff and the bot allows you to, to, to find those people to have those similar things and the profile is a very very uh, one-dimensional way of doing that <laughs> it's a very limited way of doing that 
but um this does lead into the XR side and I do want to end with that so I saw you know the Apple Apple conference thing the uh, their released their Apple Vision Pro or they, they announced it it's gonna release next year um, and it looks pretty good at least for me when I was watching my, my, my team and again I'm not an Apple fan like I had a MacBook for a little bit and there, there were elements that I liked about it but a lot of it was just like oh, this is some bullshit right like <laughs> um, I think the idea that Apple is better at UX or design is overplayed I think they're better they're 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 designed for artists right like their flavor of UX design is really just like art it's, it's like it's not even our art but like high art like this idea that oh this is what art should be right it gives you the pretense of design <laughs> almost similar to porn right like it it gives you the pretense of oh this is good design but it's so masturbatory right it's so you know oh this is what we think you should like <laughs> Um, rather than no, what do you need? What do you like? What do you actually, you know, what's actually useful for you? And even when it does that, it doesn't. Um, a lot of the times, they don't care about helping people be better people, right? A lot of times, it's oh, this is how you should like it, right? Like for instance, you know, with their, I can't speak on Mesa because I'm not an Apple user. But for the MacBook that I did have, MacBook Air, right? Like they had this cool ability for you to trash things and for you to um, move things around the desktop, and you can, you know, do the three finger swipe and stuff like that. But even like things like the three finger swipe, like you have no idea that you can do that if you didn't go into like these settings <laughs> in order to figure that out, or these different types of swiping stuff like that. All right? There's still a lot of people that don't even know that have a MacBook for years and probably don't even know all the different gestures you can do. Cause it's not well designed, right? Cause actual good design helps people to, they don't have to guess. Mm -hmm. They don't have to figure out how to do a certain thing that the computer or the system, you know, enables you to do. It shows you plainly, this is how you do it, right? You don't have to go and search for how to do it. And likewise for things like, you know, the throwing things, like the simple thing, like throwing things in the trash, right? If I remember correctly, I don't think there was an easy way for you to like to, to delete certain things or recover certain items even though it seemed like you could there are some surprising limitations on what you can what you could delete or what you can take out or what you could recover and stuff like that or the different ways of you know organizing the file system right like if you wanted to organize it a certain way it just didn't let you do that like it <laughs> um, it wanted you to do it in a certain way Right, or if you want to customize your desktop a certain way, right? Like you, you can't do that. Like you have to use their method of customization. And so, the design is 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 uh, it's so weird because it's, it's both really good but really bad. And so when I saw this Apple, you know, Vision Pro thing, I was like, yeah, I see the same elements of that. Right? It's it was really good when they have things like the environment where you can smoothly transition from an AR view, so an augmented reality view where you have thing, the digital, some digital displays in your real, real world, but then you can turn the dial and become, and it becomes you know, more opaque and more virtual reality where you're in a completely virtual world. 
right? I think that was really, really well done. But the fact that you still had a 2D UI, right? We just have some circles in front of you. I think, and it, what makes it really bad is that they called it spatial computing, right? Because they're trying to get away from the buzzwords of like, oh, the metaverse and XR. And like, in no way throughout the entire thing, they didn't mention AR, VR, XR, MR, or metaverse, right? They called it environments, spatial computing, all this other stuff, right? And yet they didn't actually have very much or any spatial computing. And I've talked about spatial computing a lot before, right? Because I think it's amazing. I think we need to do more of that. But for those that don't know, spatial computing is essentially the uh, um, the ability to have compute that have contextual computing, right? Things that are that understand the context of your environment. So, for instance, if you look at a window, it can recognize, oh, this is a window, and this is where a certain app should be. Or when you look out the window, you know, there should be a certain app outside that window. Or if you look at a calendar, oh, there's my time. Right? I can update that calendar. I can see my my um, connect. I can see my events and everything like that on my physical calendar. Because it recognizes, oh, this is a calendar. Put stuff there. Right? If I look at, you know, different things, I can, it, it responds to the things in my environment and contextualizes it, spatializes it. So I can put things in 3D space. I can throw things on the wall over there. And when I look away, you know, I, I don't see it because I'm not looking at the wall. But when I look back, it's bam, it's on the wall, right? It's not just floating in front of my face. It feels like it's in, the, in my real environment. That's spatial computing. And it's so incredibly ridiculous that companies like Meta, which has all this data, right? They, they scan your environment so many times. They can see the type of space that you're in. They have this ability to have MR or mixed reality, right? Which is basically like between augmented and spatial and, and virtual reality, right? It's not completely virtual. It's not just just augmenting your reality. It's, put, it's virtualizing a part of your environment, right? But even though Meta has this ability, they, they haven't really done any sort of spatial computing. It's kind of ridiculous. Um, so when Apple came out, I was excited. I was like, oh yeah, they're they talking about spatial computing. But yet, <laughs> they had a 2D user interface. They had a 2D UI just you know, their apps right in front of your face. And the closest thing they had to spatial computing was the, the, they had like a Disney Plus ad basically, where when you watch a certain video, right, it changed your environment around you. So if you're watching, you know, freaking Star Wars Mandalorian, you're now sitting in Tatooine in a spaceship, right? And you're watching, you know, the show in front of you on this huge screen in this virtualized environment, right? It's not really spatial per spatial computing per se, um, but it is spatial, um, and it is really cool. And I think that should that should be more normalized for VR and XR in, in general, right? This ability to, to to make parts of your environment reflect what you're looking at. But yeah, like it was there was some good and some bad about it. I'm still excited for it because unfortunately they're the first ones to. Um, like they're not revolutionary. They're going, oh, they're, yeah, we're revolutionary. First ones to do all this. No, they're not. A lot of the stuff they were showing is things that are already possible, have already been doing all these things, you know, in their different um, um, verticals. But they are, unfortunately, unfortunately, what I hate to say, to admit, is that they seem to be one of the first ones, especially at the bigger companies, that put all this together. Right. And that's basically what Apple does, right? They they almost never they haven't really invented much stuff since the iPhone. 
Um, <laughs> they instead take things that other people have done, and even with the iPhone, they did the same thing. Like they didn't actually invent all that. Like there was there was the smartphone, all the touchscreen, all that stuff was in was was being worked on by other people 10, 20 years before them. But they take took these things together and put it in a package that is polished, right? That is fairly cohesive, fairly comprehensive, and fairly um, quote unquote visionary, right? But not because they came up with the vision, but because they were able to communicate that vision way better than somebody like a company like Meta and somebody like Mark Zuckerberg, <laughs> right? Mark Zuckerberg failed at that, right? Failed at that miserably. And even though this product, right, the Vision Pro is basically a Crest Pro, right? And many people, I, I can understand what they're saying. They're saying it's going to flop just like the Quest Pro. But I think they're very much dismissing the importance of polish, right? The importance of the fact that if you put all this stuff together, even the stuff that's old, right? If you put all this stuff together in a package that's really, again, it's not exactly well designed, but it's appealing, right? Then it can benefit from that aesthetic bias. And there are things about it that are well designed, right? That seem to be, I have to try to say for sure. But things like, once again, you know, the, the smooth way in which you can create a big screen environment, right? Like there's an app called Big Screen, which does exactly this. You can watch movies on a big, very big screen, like a movie theater, right? Um, but it's a standalone app. So you have to download it on a, you know, whatever software that you're on. But if you instead can just put on a headset, you don't have to download an app or anything. You just press a video and boom, you know, big screen. It, it, it's amazing, right? It does the same thing, but in a more um, polished way, in a more cohesive way. And that experience can be very appealing to a lot of people. So a lot, I think a lot of people are dismissing the fact that unlike the Quest Pro, even if the Vision Pro is fairly similar, it does it far better. It might do it far better. Again, we'll see if it actually implements these things. But I think if it actually implements as advertised, or even 70% as advertised, right? I think it will be fairly popular. I think it's going to reignite the excitement for spatial computing, for XR and all this other stuff. And that's what I'm excited about. I'm excited about more people realizing what you can do and that you can, that now is a good time to get into this, into this space. Right, there's a lot of things I want to do in this regard myself, and I think um, the more people that see this, that means the more business we can have, right? The more people that realize, oh yeah, XR is really cool. This is what you can do with it, because as a small company like the one I'm working at now, it's really hard to show people that vision because we don't have the resources. It's another thing, right? Like the fact that we need money for all these things means means that we don't have the resources, we don't have the ability to hire talent and all this other stuff and spend time to create this vision to show people what a better future can look like right what a co cohesive xr experience can look like we just don't have that time and that resources to be able to do that but something like somebody like apple does or even meta but meta doesn't <sighs> facebook is just they're they're just so terrible with design right? like because they're uh, this whole other thing but yeah like I actually I actually enjoyed a lot of the the Apple showcase and that's hard for me to say because I, I do not like Apple <laughs> I don't but I'm not gonna lie like it's I think it was very impressive with the things that they were showing 
and if this headset really is as comfortable and as clear as it they're making it out to be as easy to use as they're making it out to be and they're and they, they seem to be coming by default with the number of apps that are going to show people right that's another problem with freaking quest pro and apple they didn't like quest pro didn't really show you what the quest could do like they were it didn't really come you know clearly it was like oh yeah these apps are show you exactly what we can do and it makes it so much more amazing right you had to figure out oh uh, i think this app is is better with the quest pro i think you know <laughs> figure out what the, what those are and, and how to use them and all those other stuff like it's it was terrible and even when they did those apps didn't really a lot of them are like oh yes yeah, this is a fun little thing like but it doesn't it's not like things something you would do every day or you know uh, a quote-unquote killer app or anything like that but the vision pro is going to launch with things like spreadsheets <laughs> things like you know this 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 desktop interface all right this virtual desktop and even though quest has this ability it's extremely difficult to get it set up because you have to download you have to freaking sign up for facebook basically or a metaquest profile and all this other stuff and i think apple you probably have to do it with apple too but a lot of people already are in the apple ecosystem and they do do it they do have the sign up process that's better but either way like it was just really imp it was implemented really terribly with the quest with the pro but i feel like apple is probably going to do a better job at that um and they're releasing with a number of other apps i forgot some of them but like they look pretty interesting disney the disney plus thing i think is going to be pretty big um they had this volumetric videos that looked pretty interesting where you can take videos with the pro, with the vision pro with the apple thing headset and it creates a 3d-ish vi 3d-ish video so when you watch it back you can like move your head around and all this other stuff and it looks like you're you know looks like a 3d environment rather than it's just a 2d recording of a 3d environment right i think that small things like that are actually very important i think people kind of downplay them but I hope it's better because I, I think we'll be even better because Apple can do this. Like we currently use, you know, tablet devices and iPhones to create volumetric scans of 3D objects to create a 3D, you know, um, model, a 3D hologram, essentially. Like that's one of our products, JLG. It's on the App Store right now, JLG app. <laughs> but the fact that you can do this with the iPhone and with the tablet means that maybe you can probably even do this with the headset and way better, way faster. You could just circle around your environment and create a 3D scan of your environment, and boom, just like that, you're in a, a 3D hologram. So if they make things like that super accessible and super easy to do, I think it's going to be a game changer. But yeah, I'll end it there because uh, I do have to get to work now, and it's been two hours. So <laughs> yeah, this was fun. Um, I do think, once again, there's a lot more we should be doing with AI, with spatial computing, with XR with businesses in general and all this other stuff and hopefully we can come together to create that better world we can you know just just live better man like we can do this but we have to imagine it we have to envision it we have to realize that such a world is possible and even if it is quote unquote impossible so was most of the technology and, and, and ways of living that we have today you know not too long ago and we have to realize that impossible is really a suggestion for humans. <laughs> we don't really know what's actually impossible. It just comes down to what we want to be possible. 
and what we think can be possible. And so we have to realize that this, a better world, is possible, can be possible. We just have to build it. So let's build it. Don't be afraid to be revolutionary. Don't be afraid to be radical. Keep being awesome. And have a great day. See ya. Bye-bye.